my relationship with Christ. That's not a Sunday thing and that's not a Tuesday thing. My relationship with Christ. Some, my best friend, someone I talk to, someone I lean on, someone who comes to my bedside and sings me to sleep, someone that I, that, that I have a relationship, I sing to him, I talk to him, I write about him, I think about him, I'm so in love with him that I think about him all through the day. Sometimes you just can't get your work done because he's in the room. Have you ever had God, have you ever had Jesus walk into your office before? Have you ever turned on a little praise and worship and the next thing you know, you have checked off the computer and you are checked into heavenly places somewhere and you just gotta point your antennas toward heaven and say, yes, Lord, right here in my office, in my car, underneath this car with grease on me and a monkey wrench in one hand and here you are blessing me, God, because you are everywhere and it's not about me singing three songs and getting three points in a sermon. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he says he wants you to be hungry for. Hunger and thirst after righteousness and righteousness only comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hunger for righteousness means hunger for more of him, more of his presence. Hunger for and thirst after righteousness means I want to know him more. Do you know that Isaiah 43 and 21 says, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. You ever wondered why God made you? He made you for him. More than he made you for somebody else, he made you for him. First and foremost, you were created for his pleasure. You were created for his pleasure. God, God smiles when he thinks about you. I preached about the book of life last week. Can you imagine how much fun he had writing about you? Days fashioned for you when yet none of them existed. God created you for his presence. And, and this is what I want to tell you. I know this is a place of freedom, so I'm preaching to the choir here. But in case you ever go to a church where you're not allowed to worship freely, I want you to remember this. The people that kind of get a little wild and they need the aisle and have to kick their feet a little bit and jump around, don't judge people like that because first of all, you don't know what they've been through to get there. You don't know how many times he cleaned them up. You don't know how many times he picked them up. You don't know that they might have been broken. And, and, and I, it, this is like my life story now. When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, I don't even need a band. When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, I don't need a cheerleader. I don't need a praise leader. I don't need a piano player or a drummer or a bass guitar. When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, there is something inside of me that says I'm undeserving of a God like this. I'm undeserving of a relationship like this. I love him because he loves me. And if you want to know why I praise the way I praise, it's not because I'm Pentecostal. By the way, Pentecostal is not a style. It's a theology. Everybody should be a Pentecostal. It just means you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostal doesn't mean a shaky hand or a running foot. It has nothing to do with that. That's just a genre that has been adopted from, you can cry and be a Pentecostal. You can kneel and be a Pentecostal. You don't have to shout a particular way or be loud. To be, that's not, Pentecostal is not a style. Pentecostal is a theology that I believe 
believe in the Holy Spirit and the working power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But I want to tell you what is evident of that. Everybody worships according to your personality. You're not going to worship different, but you've seen me. I'm a double extrovert man. When the Holy Spirit gets on me, I just can't be quiet. I could. They would throw me out of a Presbyterian church so fast. They'd kick me out of a Lutheran church. It's not that they're not good people and I'm not good folks. I just couldn't. I just couldn't sit there. When I think of his goodness, when I think about him healing me, when I think about him resurrecting me, when I think about how many times I could have been dead or could have been lost, I could be in the belly of hell right now. But for the goodness of God, he picked me up and cleaned me off and put me on a straight and narrow path. It's a relationship that I praise him from. Oh, I don't praise him because I have to. I don't praise him because you're watching me. If I'm by myself, I would do the same thing. I promise you, I've danced a whole lot more by myself than I ever have in public because it's not about the rhythm for me. It's about the relationship with me that makes me want to reach out and get as much of him as I can. Hallelujah. It's personal. It's not communal. It's personal. I was listening to one of the sermons I was listening to on my drive to Kentucky was from Bill Johnson, the pastor at uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California. And the Lord knew I just needed to listen to this particular sermon because when I heard this sermon, it was exactly what I needed to hear for this sermon tonight. And uh, Pastor Johnson was up, Bill was up speaking, and he said, in all my years of being here at Bethel Church, he said, there's two services that we've never had another service like them. And I know that some of you attended that church. I hope you were in this service, the one he was describing. But he said, um, he said this particular service, he said, I've only, we've only had two in all the years that I've been pastoring here. And the one service he described, he didn't describe the second one. He said they were similar. This is what he described. He said, we, we got up to start the service, and the guitar player hit one strum on the guitar. He said, and that was all. One strum, no one had said anything. No scripture had been read. He said, but when he played that one strum, he walked into the room. And something fell in the room and settled in the room. He said, we could not speak. We could not talk. There was no more singing. There was no preaching. Before we knew it, we were all on our face before the Lord because his presence invaded us. I want to tell you, that's the kind of service I want to be in. I want to be in a place that it's not something we sing up or sing down. It's not something we shout up or shout down. I want him in the fullness of his glory. I want him to invade my life. I want him to dance with me and walk with me. I don't just want religion. I've had plenty of that. I want righteousness, which means I need a personal encounter with God to have righteousness. I want a right relationship that causes me to live a right life. I don't want just enough of God to remove my guilt and then I walk out and nothing has changed in my marriage or my life or my over my practices, my business practices. I 
I don't want enough of God to remove my guilt. I want enough of God to make me live right and act right and have the right attitudes and have the right kind of faith. I want enough God to clean up my mouth and clean up my mind and clean up my eyes and something that I don't need a rule book from a church thrown at me to know how to live my life. But I am so in love that I don't want to disappoint him for a senior moment because I know he's the, I want that kind of relationship with God. A loving, true, genuine relationship with him that causes me to do what I do out of pure motive. Not because it's popular. I want what Bill Johnson found that morning when a guitar player strummed one strum and he walked into the room and there was nothing left to say, nothing left to sing, nothing left to preach. All you could do is bask in his presence. That's what I want more than anything. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. You know, we have to learn how to press into those holy moments. Sometimes you get very close, and I'm not, I'm just talking corporate here. I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to the body of Christ, really. But when you have a moment like that, it's so important to just don't rush it. It's so important to move into it, to press into it. And, and I don't know what your practice is, but I want to I want to just tell you, pray about getting comfortable in your relationship with the Lord. And I realize there's some very shy people. And I, realize there's, I realize, too, there's cameras everywhere. And sometimes it's like, man, yeah, I get that. I, I get all that. I'm, I'm in front of those cameras all the time. And it drives me a little nuts, too. I mean, it's just what it is. But we're reaching the world with these cameras. So thank God we are literally evangelizing thousands of people every week through the lens of a camera. And I thank God for that every day. But I want to tell you, we have to push. When we see God settle, you have to press into that moment. And I just want to give you some instruction, uh, pastoral type instruction. Don't be afraid when that moment comes to get out of your seat and just come and pray. Don't be afraid. Doesn't, I don't have to say, the altar is open, let's come and pray. When you feel the Holy Spirit come into a room like that, you can get up and walk around. Here you can. You can, get, you can come here and kneel and pray. Now, you can kneel right there in your seat and pray. You don't have to come up to the front, but just press in. Don't let the moment pass you by. Jesus is coming. He's calling up to Zacchaeus in the tree. I'm coming to your house today, but you gotta open the door. You gotta a welcome. I'm coming to your house today. You got to open it up. So find your comfort zone. Find your comfort zone, whatever that is. Each of us, find that place. And, and if you're one of those that says, you know, I'm, not, I'm never going to come in the front and jump, Dr. B, that's all for you. That's, that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll jump for both of us. I'm good with that. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Find the secret place. You can enter your secret place instantly. Even if you have to sit in your seat and cover your eyes, I'm not talking about doing something. I'm talking about going somewhere. 
I'm not talking about you having to demonstrate it so everybody sees it. There's a lot of people get very showy and we get, we get turned off by that. Anybody turned off besides me? Sensationalism wears you out sometimes. I'm not talking about proving to anybody how spiritual you are. I'm talking about going to that place with God in a moment where the Lord passed by. There, I don't know how many of you have heard of a, a singer called Tim Shepard. Uh, Tim Shepard sings on the praise team. He's one of the praise leaders at, at uh, Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. Um, and so um, one of the songs that Tim Shepard sings is, I hear the Lord passing by. And I have probably listened to that song. I actually wrote him a letter about it. I've probably listened to that song 5,000 times. I'm not kidding. It's a very slow song. It's not going to make you shout. But when I hear him sing that song, I feel like God is passing by every time I hear him sing it. I mean, when I hear him sing that song, I just want to stop. It's on my prayer list that I listen to in the mornings when I pray. And when that song comes on, it like freezes me up. To, I just want to listen. I just want to wait. We've lost the art of waiting on the Lord. God, just, I just, you say what you want to say. You know, I, I love the spirit-filled church, but sometimes we have a hard time with silence, you know? We, we get a little silent. Somebody wants to jump up and shout or speak in tongues or something like that because we, we're, we're afraid. But sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Sometimes he just wants to come in in a holy hush and wreck the room in the, the only way that he can. You know, when, um, when you get hungry, you go to the table, right? How many of you would be very disappointed if you went to the table and nothing was on the table? I'm hungry and there's nothing on the table. No one has set any food. And you sit there with an empty plate in front of you and you're, you're just kind of very disappointed. But let somebody go and pull a lasagna out of the oven. Let somebody pull a steak off the grill and bring it inside or a roast and potatoes out of that. I'm, I'm sorry, you're fasting. I should, I should change that. Let them pull that hot apple pie a la mode. Thank you, Jesus. With a big old scoop of vanilla ice cream on the top. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to have to amen myself right now. Let them pull that out and sit on the table. That'll bring everybody to the table, right? That'll bring you to the table. It's the same thing in a God moment. When we come to church and then all of a sudden he says, let me show you what I'm pulling off the grill. Let me show you what I'm bringing out of the oven. I've got some fresh baked bread if you'll just come and get it. There are moments, guys, when God walks into the room and the singers, they don't even know what to say. Braden, you, you'll attest to that. It's like, we don't even have anything to sing. We don't even know what to say. The keyboard player is like, man, I'm lost here. I don't even know what to do. But when he brings the bread out, go get the bread. When he brings the meat out, go get the meat when he brings out when he brings out something that can satisfy your soul do whatever you have to do to go and get it um, I've read this before I've never experienced this exactly but I've read that if you're experiencing dehydration you have to drink or die either you drink or you die um, you can go 60 days without food, I'm told. Some a little longer. But you can go 60 days without food. But you can only go three to five days without water. And then on the fifth day without water, your body will begin to die. 
And after you've had no water because your body's 80% water, this is what dehydration looks like in the body. First, you lose your strength and your stamina. Then you start getting dizzy all over it. Your body's starting to overheat. Your vital organs are starting to shut down. Your kidneys begin to fail. You get disoriented and lose your direction. And before you know it, your body begins to die because you are thirsty and you have nothing to drink. And you realize that even though that is the human body, that you also are a spirit. You are a body, soul, and spirit. And your spirit also has to have water or it will die. Just like your body has to have water, the Bible says that out of your belly flows rivers of living water. You have to get a spiritual drink or you will lose your way. You will get dehydrated. Your organs will begin to fail. Spiritually speaking, if you do not get a spiritual drink every now and then, you will be like the church of Sardis in Revelation 3 and 1. He said you have the reputation or the name that you're alive but you are dead. He said, you, you look alive to everyone else, but there's no life in you because you have dried up and died up. And it's a sad day when someone is religious and they have a form of godliness, but no power. It is a sad day when someone knows all the songs and can quote the scriptures, but they have not had a relationship with Christ to make them drink from the living water. And before you know it, they are spiritually dead. I don't know if you've ever been spiritually dehydrated before, but it is a miserable condition that you are just so dry. Have you ever just felt spiritually dry? It is like, man, I just need something to get me going. I, am, I can't feel his presence. I can't hear his voice. I, 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 I'm not close. I don't feel him close to me the way I felt this spiritual dryness. But the Bible says you do not have to live in spiritual dryness because there is a river that makes glad the city of God and it flows to you. That is why in John 4 and 13 it says, Jesus said unto her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, the woman at the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give them will become like a fountain of water springing up in inside of you into everlasting life and the woman said give me this water that I may not thirst again and sometimes we have to get hungry for more and thirsty for more and not be satisfied with our spiritual condition so that we can say God take me to the water take me to the well take me to a place where my spirit can be refreshed and restored again that's why Revelation 22, the Bible ends like this. Listen to this. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him come and take of the water of life freely. There is a spiritual thirst. If you are feeling dry, hallelujah. I'm feeling dry, Dr. B. Hallelujah. You're in a great place because you know you will die if you don't get a drink. 
and you will go wherever you have to go to get that drink. If your, your dissatisfaction will save you, your discontent will drive you, your hunger will push you, your thirst will make you go to places you've never been to get filled up again. If you are dry, then that is an indication that God is calling you closer. If you are thirsty, that is an indication. Can I tell you something about, about sinners? There's a difference in saints and sinners in this sense, that if you are living in sin and you don't profess Christ, you're not struggling. That's called enjoying. That's right. You're living in sin and you're happy about it. This is your choice and you're thrilled about it. But when you are serving Christ and you're living in sin, you have this discontent. We call it a struggle. The struggle means you are alive. The struggle means that you still hear his voice. The struggle means that Satan wants you, but God has you. The struggle means that he's not going to let go. Your struggle doesn't mean you're weak. The struggle means that you're holding on to the unchanging hand of a living God who's pulling you up to higher ground. Your struggle means you're moving in the right direction. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.